Welcome to the ministry of Pastor Jeff Taylor. We hope you will find life-changing truths as you hear today's message. Pastor Taylor believes that no word of God is void of power. Now, let us join a live service already in progress. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn them to the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. The book of Hebrews, chapter 11. And uh, we, have been, we have been in a faith zone, seemingly, for months and months here. And, um, and while I was preparing something uh, this, today, I, I was uh, going over, just asking the Lord, okay, no, you know, what, what is it that you'd, you'd prefer for us to uh, study out tonight? And, and uh, he said, uh, started showing me some things on faith. And I said, you know, but Lord, you know, do you know that there's other things in the Bible? <laughs> We've been in this thing for a few months now. You know, do you, don't you want me to share on some other things other than, you know, faith? And, uh, you know, I got to think, you know, really everything in the kingdom of God is connected to faith. You can't get into the kingdom without faith. And, matter of fact, the Bible says the just shall live by faith. And so, you know, it's kind of like, you know, do we want to quit handling money? thing about it is you can quit handling money, but that means you're still going to have to have your bills paid somehow. You're still going to have to go work a job somehow. And, uh, you know, you might get tired of handling money, but it's a way of life. How many know that handling money is a way of life? But see, the thing is, is so is faith. Faith for the righteous and the, and the, and the, and the lifestyle that, that, that the covenant people of God are called to is a life of faith. And so uh, tonight, though, I want to... Uh, we've been dealing with so many details with faith Sometimes you have to take a step back and because when you get so detail-oriented, sometimes you can get lost in details. How many have ever gotten lost in the details of a story? But where the area of faith is concerned, we've been dealing with some details because details are important if you're going to get a hold of faith. But sometimes you have to take a step back and look at the big picture again. And when you look at the big picture, you can say, Oh, I see now where this fits in and where these details fit in. Do do I make sense? Because when you take a step back and you look at the big picture, the details all of a sudden begin to make sense. And it's no more trying to just work the details. It's taking a step back and seeing where the details fit in the overall general picture of the life of faith. So we're going to talk about that. I want you to entitle your put on the top of your paper if you're taking notes. We're just going to entitle this an overview of exceedingly growing faith. An overview of exceedingly growing faith. And uh, I, I had this scripture. I, I'm I'm just really shocked that I did not write this down, but I think it's in. Uh, well, turn to the book of Hebrews chapter 11. Are you there? Hebrews chapter 11. We'll read that first. And then um, it's in Thessalonians about, uh, about your exceedingly growing faith. Someone just look it up for me. I cannot believe that I actually forgot that. But uh, Hebrews chapter 11. Notice here in verse number 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Again, verse number 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. Now, again, we're going to take it from the very basics because in all honesty, I've only been dealing in about three of five areas 
of faith. With, with, when we talk about faith in our Sunday morning services or when we talk about faith in, on, a, on, a, on a Wednesday night here, what we're basically doing, we're taking some of the basics because how, you know how important it is to get the fundamentals down. For instance, if, if you start out in kindergarten and, uh, and you don't get the kindergarten information correct, you're going to have a harder time in first grade. And if you don't get what's in first grade, you're going to have a harder time getting to second grade. And the reason that sometimes students fail is that because it would be no, it would make no sense to put them in second grade if they can't get first grade information down. Is that, is that too deep for anybody? <laughs> uh, but in other words, there's a progression. Uh, there's a progression in the information. In other words, if you don't get addition down, if you can't handle 2 plus 2, 2 plus 3, uh, 3 plus 5, if you can't handle that information, by the time you get to fourth grade and you start, they start introducing multipli- uh, multiplication, that's really not going to make any sense. If you, don't be, if you don't have addition down by the third grade, you're sure not going to be able to understand what multiplication is. And if you don't have multiplication down uh, by that, you're not going to understand fractions uh, and, and integers. You're not going to be able to understand that. And if you don't have that down, by the time you get to freshman algebra in high school, you're sure going to have a problem because if you can't add, if you can't add numbers, you're sure not going to be able to add letters. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? See what I'm saying? There is a progression with information. And, and again... We we progress at different at different levels, but here's the progression. Did anybody find that that scripture in First Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians chapter three? Yeah, that's it right there. Second Thessalonians chapter one, verse number three. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly. Now listen, I want you to write this. I want you to write this down. On your, on your note, in your notes, I want you to write this down. God is not so interested in the faith that gets. God is not so much interested in the faith that gets as He does the faith that grows. God's not interested in turning you into a robot that you can just be able to receive. He's interested in the faith that grows. So God's not so much interested in just the faith that gets results. He's interested in the faith that grows. Okay? So these people... Now, Paul is commending the Thessalonians. And he says here, We're bound to thank God always for you. Why? Is it, brethren, as it is fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly. Notice this. And the love of every one of you all abounds towards each other. In other words, when your faith grows, that means your love's going to grow. Isn't that interesting? Isn't it interesting that there are certain people that think they have a lot of faith, but they can treat one another rotten? That person may say they have great faith, but their love walk shows that they don't have very much faith. But let me give you the progression. I'm going to give you the progression, and then we're going to deal with each, each one of these ingredients kind of on a very... Again, this is just an overview tonight. We're just going to take a real, real uh, concise overview of the progression of faith, all right? I want you to write down uh, number one. The progression of faith is, is number one. What you mu- in order to have growing faith, you must have, you must know number one what faith is. Exceedingly growing faith. 
knows, step one, what faith is. Number two, how faith comes. Number three, how faith is released. Number one again is what faith is. Number two again is how faith comes. Number three again is how faith is released or that faith must be released. Number four, faith must be fed. Number four is faith must be fed. And number five, faith must be the leader. Faith must be the leader. We cannot deal with faith must be fed until we establish what faith is. See, once I understand what faith is, that gives me the level to to then graduate to then how faith comes. But if I don't know what faith is... You know, the Bible says, we'll get into this tonight, taking the shield of faith. You know, there's some people that they think they're taking the shield of faith, but they don't really know what they're taking. And if you don't know what faith is, you don't know what to take and you won't know whether you've got it or not. Now, I know some people that say they've got faith, but when you get to talking to them, they don't have faith at all. And But yet, at the same time, if you ask them if they got faith, oh, sure, i got faith. Yeah, i got faith. But see, what are they doing? They have misdefined what faith is. If you don't know what faith is, ladies and gentlemen, when you, when you wind up taking it, whatever you think faith is, it's going to wind up being the wrong thing. And then, then you'll be one of those people that say, well, you know, that faith stuff don't work for me. All the time that it is working for you in the negative, but if you don't know what faith is... Now again, if we define what faith is and we get a good handle on that, that gives us the that gives us the foundation then to move up to step two or to second grade of how faith comes. And then when we get an understanding of how faith comes, then we can get that faith must be released. Once we get that faith must be released, then we can move over to the area of faith must be fed. You see what I'm saying? It's a natural progression. It, again, you can't deal with step four and five. You can't get into those, pro, into those steps if you don't know what step one is. And so what we've been doing here around the church is what we've been doing is we've really been only dealing with the first three steps. We've been only, tell, we've been only dealing with what faith is. We've been dealing with how faith comes. And we've been dealing with faith must be released. And that's really the only three that's the only three things we've been dealing with because what we're doing is we're trying to get people to get that foundation within them and get and getting the foundation within them helps them to then move on. But again, we're taking a step back tonight out of dealing with instead of just talking about words which is part of step 3 of the of the progress, instead of just talking about words, 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 we're going to take a step back and see where words actually come in at. See, you don't start using words in step one. You can't use that. If you use words in step one, you've got the cart before the horse. Because if you don't know what faith is, then whatever words you are beginning to use, they won't, they won't have any meaning. Um, I heard uh, quite a few years ago, uh, I, I went to uh, Brother Copeland, uh, Copeland's um, uh, Believers Convention out in, uh, out in uh, the West Coast in Anaheim. And Sister Gloria Copeland taught that week on faith must be in two places. She said faith must be in the heart and faith must be in your mouth. It has to be in the heart. It has to be in the mouth. And she gave this very, very good illustration. And I won't, I won't even try and improve on it from this standpoint. She said faith, faith being in two places is like a gun. She said it, it, you, some people have the gun loaded, 
But unless you pull the trigger, nothing will be shot at. But at the same time, there are people that don't believe with their heart, but they're saying with their mouth, and it's like an empty gun that they're out pulling the trigger, trying to shoot something, and they're not shooting anything. They're just clicking off the gun, and the gun's clicking, but it's not working. They're not shooting, they're not hitting the target, so to speak. And so, so when we talk about the where you know we've been talking a lot about words, but again, words cannot start off at the beginning because words, you know, if everybody just start talking talking words, well, you know, bless God, I'm gonna have a new house. Well, unless you if unless you've established what step one is, and you've established what step two is, those words won't have any power. Does that make sense? And I think, you know, I really kind of, I felt an urgency just to kind of step back and say, let's, let's take the, the overview of this because once we see the overview, it'll make more sense to us. See, because so many of us, we're watching our words and we're trying to be careful where our words are concerned, but unless you understand, now faith is. What is faith? Everybody say, well, what is faith? You know, I know what, you know, some, most people confuse faith was simply understanding something. Oh, I understand the message of healing. I understand the message of prosperity. I understand the message of salvation. But that doesn't mean that you have faith. Just because you understand the doctrine of it, just because you understand the script, there are Scriptures in the Bible that promise you faith, that doesn't mean you're in faith. Matter of fact, I was talking uh, when, when, we were, uh, when we were doing the journey for the young people. I told them that there's a difference between having faith and being in faith. There's a difference between having faith and being in faith. And uh, one of the students was ha- really having a hard time grasping. Well, what do you mean now? You can have faith, but you are not in faith. I can have faith, but not, my faith not be active. I can believe in healing. How many know there are people that believe in healing, but yet they're sick? And you know, there are some people that believe in healing and die. And then those are the people that confuse the rest of us that are living. Because, well, they had faith. If they had faith, then why'd they die? You know, and then, and then somebody comes along and says, well, ultimately they got their healing, they're in heaven now. Well, that's not what we're believing for. And that's a lousy excuse, man. Either we're going to believe this thing and we're going to get results or let's forget it, you know? My point is this, is that, you know, there are people that believe in, in prosperity, but they're having, they're having a hard time. There are people that believe for healing, but they, but they have a hard time. And sometimes it doesn't get the results they want. So these are, the, these are the natural progressions of faith. Again, we have to establish what faith is. So let's talk about what faith is. What is faith? What is faith? Now... Please write this down, what faith is. Point number one, what faith is. What faith is. What faith is, is a firm persuasion. It's a firm persuasion. Number one, it's a firm persuasion. What is faith? Faith is a firm persuasion. Number two, faith is a conviction based upon what you've heard. It's a conviction based upon what you've heard. You know, some people have faith in, in uh, articles they read. Or maybe they saw a special on TV, news special. 
Don't buy eggs. You know, but eggs can give you cancer. Well, you know, if you if you believed everything that was on TV, everything gives you cancer. So that so that so the initial thing is is that sooner or later I'm going to get cancer. If you believe that, and some people have a conviction because of what they've heard. All right. Number three, number three, what faith is is simply. What you believe. It's simply what you believe. What is faith? It's simply what you believe. Now, underneath number three, I want you to write this down. Beliefs are an accumulation of knowledge. Beliefs are an accumulation of knowledge. What do you know about this? Matter of fact, uh, number two underneath that number three, write this down. Write this down. The more Scripture you have on that subject, the stronger your beliefs are. The more Scripture I have about that, about that subject. Now see, I don't have, I don't have a, a, a lot of uh, faith about a pre-Adamic race. You know, where do demons come from? Well, some say pre-Adamic race. I can't be dogmatic about that. There are certain things I can't... I can't be dogmatic about people who smoke going to hell. I can't be dogmatic. You can't prove it. You can't prove people going to hell because they smoke or because, you know, they're going to hell because they deny Jesus. That's the only reason they're going to hell. This <laughs> is because they denied Jesus. And you can't you can't prove it anything else. I, but I can't have I can't be dogmatic about certain things. Where the word is not strong, I've determined that I'm not going to be strong. But where the word is strong, I'm determined to be strong in those areas. Why? Because the more knowledge I have accumulated on that subject in the Word of God, the stronger my convictions can be. Does that make sense? The stronger, the more evidence I have of that. You won't talk me out of healing. You won't talk me out of healing. I've got too much knowledge. I've put too much of the forensics together where the evidence is concerned that I know that I know for me I can be well if I believe what He said in His Word. And I act upon it. See what I'm saying? You're not going to talk me out of prosperity. I know there's a, I know there's risks going around in the body of Christ about you know prosperity and and whether you should be wealthy or not and what is you know what's the you know what where is the point you know but at the same time there's too much scripture in there. There's only a hundred scriptures in the Bible concerning heaven. There's over twenty two hundred scriptures in the Bible concerning your money. Because if he gets your money, he's li- he's liable to get your heart and he can get you to heaven. <laughs> You see what I'm saying? So again, beliefs are an accumulation of knowledge. And when you and, and the stronger and the more scripture you have, the stronger the belief can become. Now listen real carefully. Please write this down, number four, what faith is. Uh, or, or somewhere. Put a star somewhere. It's really not necessarily part of the outline, but, but write this down somewhere. The word faith and believe are interchangeable. They're interchangeable. Both faith and belief are interchangeable words. 
I want you to put a star by that one because we're going to use that. We're going to use that here in a few minutes. Now, if we went back to Hebrews chapter 11 and we took, and we took that word and put, uh, and put beliefs or some form of the word believe and interchange it, we could say it like this. Now, beliefs are the substance of things hoped for. Is that the same thing? Let me prove this to you out of the Word of God where faith and believing are concerned. Go with me to Matthew chapter 9. Look here in verse number 27. Verse 27, Matthew chapter 9. Notice this. When Jesus departed from there, two blind men followed Him, saying, uh, crying out, saying, Son of David, have mercy upon us. And when He had come into the house, the blind men came to Him, and He said to them, Do you believe... Underline that word, believe... Do you believe that I'm able to do this? And they said, Yes, Lord. And he touched their eyes, saying, According to your what? According to your what? Did they believe? Is that, is that synonymous with faith? He said, According to your faith, according to what you believe, let it be unto you. And their eyes were open, and Jesus sternly warned them and said, See that no one knows this. All right? Go with me to the book of James. The book of James, chapter 2. The book of James, chapter 2. Notice here in verse number 14. What does it profit a man? We're going to see this a little bit later on, on some other things. But what does it profit a man, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you have not given them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also, uh, thus also faith by itself, it does not, uh, unless it does not, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone, notice here verse 18, But someone will say, You have faith, I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe, notice there, you believe that there is one God. You do well, even the demons tremble. Now again, is, do they have faith there, there is one God? He's talking about faith, isn't he? Therefore, it's by, if faith by itself, is, if it's alone, it's dead. But notice here, verse 19 says, But if you, be, you believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the, demos, uh, even the de demons believe and tremble. So you want, uh, so, but do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Again, he goes right back to talking about the word faith. All right? Skip down, if you will, to verse 21. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac, by his, uh, offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with, uh, with his works by his, and by works faith was made perfect? But notice here verse number 23. And the Scripture was fulfilled which says, Abraham did what? Faith and believe are the same thing, aren't they? So what is faith? It's what I believe. Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians. What is faith? It's what I believe. It's, my firm, it's what I'm persuaded about. It's my conviction. I, I, again, I said this a couple of weeks ago, but I'm going to say this again. You, you, it, there's a difference between a per, being a person of preference and a person of conviction. If you're a person of preference, you can prefer to change your mind. 
But once you become a person of conviction, there is no changing your mind about that. There are certain people that are convicted that healing is not for them and you're not going to move them off of it. They are, why? They have an accumulated knowledge that healing is not for everybody. Where did they get that knowledge? They didn't get it from the Word, but they did get it somewhere. They, there are some people that believe you're not supposed to be wealthy. Why? Because they've accumulated knowledge from somewhere that is not for them. It didn't get it out of the Word. And maybe they have a few scriptures and veiled references that they say, well, you know, now a rich man can't enter into the kingdom of God. And they'll, and they'll use scriptures like that. But again, that's just accumulating knowledge for the sake of, 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 of strengthening that conviction. Right? They're convicted of it. And you're not going to move a person off conviction very easily. But you can move a person of preference easily, both good and bad. But notice here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 13, it says, And since we have the same Spirit of what? Same Spirit of what? According to what is written, I did what? Believed, and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. Notice this here. He said, this is the Spirit of faith. This is the Spirit of faith. I believe. Notice this. What is faith? It's believing. Faith and believing are interchangeable. Let's go one more place to just kind of nail this down. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. This may make a little more sense. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 8. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 8. The Bible says, For by grace you have been saved through what? Through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. For by grace you have been saved through what? Through faith. What is faith? Well, let's find out. Let's go back over here to Romans chapter 10. Let's go back over to Romans chapter 10 and see how we, how we are saved. The Bible says over here that we can be saved. Notice here in verse number 9 of Romans chapter 10 that if, thou, if you confess with your heart or confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, that, that, that says something different there. You didn't say that I'm saved by faith, did it? Didn't use the word faith, did it? But again, faith and believed are interchangeable, aren't they? If I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in my heart, what am I doing? I am having faith and therefore I'll be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness. That's faith. That is a conviction based upon accumulation of knowledge. It is a, it's based on what I've heard. It's a persuasion. We, ladies and gentlemen, we are in the belief business. We are in the belief business. And there's two sides to our belief business. Number one is that we must introduce people that come into the kingdom of God, people that get saved. We have a, we have a responsibility to help them form new beliefs. That's one side of it. We have a responsibility to form new beliefs. One of the things that we do with our young, uh, with our young converts is that we must form new beliefs. Why? Because they probably have the wrong ones. So we've got to form some new beliefs in it. How do we form those new beliefs? By teaching them what the Word says. Not telling them what our doctrine is. Not telling them what we think it should say. Not telling them what we think it should be. But telling them what the Word says because the Word will grow them. The Word will develop them. 
So we're going to form new beliefs. But that's just one side of it. Now, the other side is where you'll spend the majority of your time, and that is strengthening or stimulating the beliefs that should stay. In other words, just because you've heard one message on faith doesn't mean you have it. And just because you heard one message on faith doesn't mean that you're going to, that you're going to keep on having it. Just because you hear one message on the Holy Ghost doesn't mean that you got it. But so what we do is we teach with the purpose of strengthening those beliefs and stimulating those beliefs back to vibrancy. See what I'm saying? And so there are, and, and I'll be honest, most of the time it's rougher on me having to preach on the same subject or having to preach on the same message. It's rougher on me because I'm thinking, you know, they've heard this stuff before. And I'll go out, you know, I'll say, what would you think of that? They said, well, you know, most of that was review. And I go, well, you know, maybe I didn't impress them at all. Maybe, you know. But the thing about it is, I, know, I have to realize, most of my job is going to be, most of my job is going to be strengthening those beliefs that should be there. Or it's introducing new ones. But, you know, you can't go very long and, and, and introduce all of them. I mean, you, you're not going to be... You grow up to a certain degree. You'll have the fundamentals and the basics. Down. Now, you're always going to be learning new things. But when you get the fundamentals down, you're going to, those are the things you need to found your Christianity on. And there won't be much, there won't be much new learning. And that what, that's what happens when people come along a certain way. They get along and they get, they get you know, like in the church we, I grew up, the church we grew up, you know, we was wanting to get them saved. We would get saved, get saved, get saved, get saved, get saved. And man, there's a lot of pressure on getting saved and that's good. So we get them saved. Then, man, if you got saved, just wait. You've got to get the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And we gotta we pressure them, get pressure and pressure and pressure. Get the Holy Ghost, get the Holy Ghost, get the Holy Ghost, get the Holy Ghost. And they get the Holy Ghost, and then they're looking at now what? Now what? Well, just come to church regularly, pay your tithes, and wait till Jesus comes back. That's it. That's it. That's the church I grew up in. You know, and then I mean, you know, and then it was, you know, our whole basis of Christianity is whether we cried or not on Sunday night. Or if we had a good shouting service, we either had to have shouting or we had to have crying, and, and a good service would have both. And a real, real good service is when the preacher didn't get to preach. You know, man, church was so good, pastor didn't get to preach. And some of those churches, it was probably better that he didn't. <laughs> But in but but for the most part, there was times when when the spirit, you know, they say, well, the spirit moved. No, just the controlling people took over. My point is this: is that when you're growing and developing people spiritually, you not you you will have a part where no, things will cease to be new. But we hope and pray and develop people so that their, their basis of growth is not in the novelty of newness, but in the novelty or in the strength of character developing. Does that make sense? Because if all we do is produce people that are looking for something new, the Bible says that there will come a time in the last days that people will have an itching ear Always looking for something. And there are churches, I'll be honest, I've preached in them that if you can give them something new, give them something new. And most of the time, churches that are like that usually wind up gravitating to erroneous doctrine. 
because they're always needing something new to stimulate them. And so they are carnal, fleshly attending that. And so therefore, therefore they're not going to be able to handle solid food. The Bible says that there will come a time in the last days where they will not, they will not, they will not take solid meat, but they will draw unto, this, uh, draw unto themselves teachers having itching ears. What are they doing? They just want something new. Tell me something I haven't heard before. I don't want to stay with that face up. I've heard all that before. I want something new. Give me something I can, I can really get wowed at. I'm inspired and I'm in awe. No, I don't, I don't have a problem with that. But most of the time, anything that's new now to me, I question. If it's new to me and so far out, you know, uh, I had, Jerry Savelle was talking about this in, at the minister's conference at Brother Copeland's meeting, at, his minister, at Brother Copeland's minister's conference. He said, he said, there was someone that, you know, sent me this long thing. He said, Brother, Brother Savelle, I, I, I've got a new revelation that I've never heard any of you preachers preach on before. And I think it's something that if, you, if you'll read this and, and you'll receive this, he said, I want you to pass it on to the other ministers because it's, it's something new that has not been heard before. And Brother Savell kind of went through it and got, didn't get too far and realized what it was. And so he wrote him back and said, This is so new, I don't even think God's heard it. <laughs> As a matter of fact, don't preach this anywhere. That's what he told him. And the thing about it is, is that again, we've got to stay with foundational things. All right. Now, please write this down. Proper use of your beliefs. Proper use of your beliefs is the key to victory. Proper use of your beliefs is the key to victory. Number two. Number one was what faith is. Number two, how faith comes. Number two, how faith comes. And I have got to hurry up. Number two, how faith comes. Turn with me to Romans chapter... Stay right there in Romans chapter 10. Look, Notice here down at verse number 17. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. He just gets done talking about how shall they... Let's back up here to verse 14, matter of fact. How then shall they call upon Him in whom they have not believed? And how how shall they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they, how they, how, and how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them to preach the gospel of peace, bring good, glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the Lord. For, the, uh, for Isaiah said, Lord, who has believed our report. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Now, again, we read this, we read this Romans chapter 10, verses 14 and 15 in, in a progression. But I want us to just go reversed again. Uh, uh, how, how shall they preach unless they're sent? And how shall, uh, and how shall they hear without a preacher? And if they hear, if they hear the preacher, then they'll believe. And if they believe, then they can call. Do you see the, do you see the progress there? See, you can't call unless you believe. I want you to understand that. You can't call. You can't speak those things that are, that are not as though they were. You can't speak under the mountain until you believe. Until you believe. You can't call unless you believe. But you can't, you can't believe unless you hear. And that's number two. How does faith come? 
Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Faith comes as a result of hearing or reading the Word. And, and in all honesty, I want you, I want you to notice this. There will there be two things that happen when you hear God or you're, or you're reading God's Word or you're hearing God's Word uh, preached or taught. When you hear God's Word, there will be one thing. There will be the entrance of a new belief, but then there will also have to be an abandoning of an old one. When God says, I am the Lord thy God that healeth thee, you say, Oh! But what you're doing is you're not only gravitating to this, I am the Lord thy God that healeth thee, God must be the healer, you're also abandoning the fact that you don't have to stay sick. So hearing the word will not only would not not only develop a new faith, a new belief. It won't won't just develop a new belief, but it will cause you to abandon an old belief. And unless you abandon old beliefs, you will not get the full potential out of the word of God. So we're hearing we're hearing the word of God, but we're also abandoning what we have previously heard from somewhere else. Maybe, you know, they tell you, you know, heart disease runs in your family or cancer, you know, uh, runs in your family. Well, I found out, uh, matter of fact, you know, there, there's, a, there's a big case of uh, cancer in my, both my grandmother and my grandfather have had, have had a tough bout. My, my grandfather died with cancer. Uh, I don't know exactly what it was, uh, cancer of the colon, I think it was. And then my grandmother, she's still alive. She keeps fighting that cancer. But, I mean, she's got cancers on her head, cancers on her face, cancers on her skin, cancers on her back. I mean, she's constantly, and she's getting them, you know, she gets them operated on. She keeps going. She, I mean, and, but, you know, and so, you know, someone said, you know, well, cancer runs, just runs in our family. I said, well, what? I thank God I got born again. Because they don't run in the family of God anymore. We're redeemed from that stuff. Now, I'm not saying that you won't get it. I'm not ever going to say that you won't. But cancer won't have its desired effect if you get in faith. You mean we don't have to die from that? Absolutely not. And I don't care who died with it. I mean, we got preachers dying with cancer. we got preachers dying from heart attacks. But I don't know about them. But let God be true and every other man a liar. You see what I'm saying? Here's my point, is that faith has to come by hearing, but there will be, there'll be a, an abandoning of a different belief. Go with me to the book of Mark. I want to show you something. Uh, something else. The book of Mark, chapter 10. The book of Mark, chapter 10. Notice here, in, let's begin reading here in verse number 46. Mark, chapter 10. Let's begin reading here in verse number 46. Now, now they came to Jericho as he went out to Jericho with the disciples, a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy upon me. And then many warned them to be quiet, but he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy upon me. So Jesus stood uh, still and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind men, saying, be of good cheer, rise, he is calling you. Now, notice what verse 50 did. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. Now, I mean, most people just read right over that and not, not realize what's going on there. But see, in that culture, as it is in the culture in India today, that there are beggars by the roadside. Now, to get a license to beg, 
there are certain garments that you get to wear. So they have the city's validity or their commission that you can beg because you have this garment on. Not just everybody can beg. Now watch this. But throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said to him, What do you want for me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabboni, that I may receive my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you whole. Let me ask you a question. Did blind Bartimaeus believe that Jesus could make him well? Why? Well, because he had faith. He said, According to your faith. So we know faith and belief can be interchanged. So we said, Because of what you believe, your faith has made you whole. Because, of again, what you believe, has made you whole. But notice what he did. He not only believed something, but he abandoned something else. He abandoned. He said, I'm not, I don't believe I'm going to be blind any longer. I'm not going to have to beg any longer. Isn't that good? So how faith comes is faith comes by, uh, faith comes by hearing God's Word, but it's also an abandoning of what, uh, uh, some other things you've heard. Now notice this. Write, please write this down. Obedience and acting... Obedience and acting upon what you believe is the sign that you've abandoned previous beliefs. Obedience and acting upon the Word of God is the sign that you've abandoned previous beliefs. If you can't get them to act on it, they're still holding, they're, they're, they may be still holding some of those old beliefs. But I have something else I wanted, uh, wanted to introduce to you as well. And again, these are just the fundamentals. All right, These are things that we've already been going over. But there's, a, there's another way that faith comes that I found in the Word. There's another way that faith comes. And it's found in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 11. Let me quote it for you if you, want, if, if, if you let me. It says, by faith, her, uh, by faith Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and bear a child because she judged him faithful who had promised. She got into faith not because of necessarily hearing, because really when she heard the Word, when she heard the Word, she laughed. Why? Because she still believes that she's barren. She believes that she's too old. She believes that way. So the entrance of the Word of God did not, ha did not bring faith. Her hearing the Word of God did not pr produce faith in her. Why? Because she didn't believe it. But she did because she didn't believe it. She didn't believe what God said. She now uh, to be real honest with you. Now I'll be real honest with you right here in this right here in this stage too. How faith comes is is a decision that you make. It's a decision that you make. It's a decision that you make. Remember blind bar. Uh, remember uh, not blind bar. Mace, doubting Thomas. We call him doubting Thomas. But really, all the others doubted. All the others doubted. And because they were together and Thomas wasn't, we usually wind up labeling Thomas doubting Thomas, but really they all doubted. But notice this. Doubt, he said, I will not believe unless I touch his hands, the scars in his hands, and thrust my hand in his side. I will not believe. He said it right. He didn't say, I can't believe. He said, I won't believe. Because believing is his decision. You know, you can choose to believe or you can choose not to believe. You'll choose to believe or not to believe. Sarah chose not to believe 
The, she heard the Lord say it. She didn't read it out of a book. She heard the Lord Himself saying, you're going to have a child. And she laughed. And she chose not to believe it. It was her decision. She chose not to. I mean, every Sunday morning, we have people that decide not to believe. Or we have the people decide to believe. One of the two things. I mean, they decide whether they're going to believe this or not, or they're going to act on this or not, and they choose or they choose not to. You see what I'm saying? And so she chose not to believe. But the Bible does say that she did get into faith. But she didn't get into faith by hearing God talk. She got into faith over examining His faithfulness. Are you with me? She started rehearsing everything that God said and did, said and did, said and did. And she goes, huh, you know, everything He's ever told us, He's done. So He's told me that I'm going to have a baby. So therefore, because He's faithful, I guess I'm going to have a baby. And she got into faith because of the testimony of faithfulness. Now, now, that's the only two ways that I found in the Word where you can get into faith. Either you'll hear it and move into it, or you have to judge Him faithful to move into it. Okay? Number three. Number three. Number three is faith must be released. And again, we're just talking about what we've already talked about. Uh, Right underneath that, faith must be released. Number three is letter A. Having faith is only half of the equation. Having faith is only half of the equation. Basically, what we've talked about just just tonight in just in just this brief moment of time, what we've talked about is we just talked about how to get into faith. We talked about what it is. We talked about how to get into faith. But that's only half of the equation, because you can have faith and still miss out on the promise. Now listen real carefully. You can still have faith, but still miss out on the promise. Turn with me to the Book of Acts. Chapter 14. The book of Acts, chapter 14. Book of Acts, chapter 14. And I want you to, I want you to see this. Now, most of you, if you've been around very long with me, you, you've, heard, you've seen this and heard this. But notice verse number 8. And in Lystra, a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting, a cripple from his mother's womb. Had he ever walked before? No, because he's crippled from his mother's womb, who had never walked. That's what the Bible says. He had never walked. Okay, number nine. This man heard Paul speaking. What's he doing? He's hearing the word, isn't he? He's hearing the word. What does hearing the word produce? Faith. If you choose to believe it, right? If you choose to believe it, you'll have faith. Now the Bible says here, this man heard Paul speaking. Paul observing him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed. Now let me ask you a question. Before you move into verse ten, does this man have faith to be healed? But is he healed? People have died with faith to be healed and be accused that they didn't have faith, which was inaccurate. Because you can have faith, but unless faith is released and faith is done something with, it won't have any effect. You won't get the results just because you have faith. I've got faith. Yeah, but what are you doing with it now that you got it? You've got to do something with your faith once you got it. Once you get faith, you have to put it into action. 
You have to place your faith in action. Otherwise, you'll be like this man, having faith to be healed. How many know that if Paul had not told him to stand... Now, notice this, verse 10. uh, And Paul said this, said with a loud voice, Stand up on your feet. And he leaped and walked. But how many know that if Paul had left that building and never had told him to stand up on his feet, the man could have went home still in the same condition that he went to church in? Does this make sense? He could have went home in the same condition because even though he had faith to be healed, though he would have come home and said, man, that was a good service. Man, I just felt so much power in there. I felt so much, I felt so much anointing in that place. Man, that, I never heard a man speak like that. And still be impotent in his feet. Still be in the same condition. Because he had to put his faith into action. And once he acted, I'll be honest with you, I've, I, I've had two miraculous things happen in my ministry that were not even based upon the anointing and were not based upon, and were not based upon me laying hands upon people. He, I had I had one person. Uh, so if you've been with me long enough, you saw the video where the man in Louisiana at that uh, at uh, uh, Brother Holland's church man got up, walked, had hardly walked very good for five years, and and got his. I never once prayed for him, and I never once laid a hand on him. Just got him to act upon what he believed. Another one was just a, few, uh, a couple months ago up in Lula, Georgia. A lady in a wheelchair. Been in a wheelchair more than three years. I just simply got her to act. I just, I just, all I did was preach faith to her that night. If, I mean, there's probably a hundred people there, but I just wanted to preach faith to her. I said, I, I, started, I said at the end of the message, I said, darling, I said, I don't, I, I, I don't, I have really not preached for anybody else but for you. And all I want you to do is just, just act on your faith. Just release your faith. Turn your faith loose. She got up out of that wheelchair, and by the end of the night, she, the next day, she cooked her first meal in the first, in the first three years. First meal she ever cooked in three years. But it wasn't because I, I prayed for her. I never did pray for her. I never did pray for her. Never laid hands on her. Just got her to act on her faith. Because, you, again, you've got to have to put action, action to your faith. Now, n- notice this, number, uh, letter B. Faith is released by word and action. Now, this is where we have talked so strongly about your words. Because words are so important, we stress that. Matter of fact, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23, Brother Hagen points out this, is that believe is only mentioned one time, but, but saying is mentioned three times. So we've been preaching pretty much about three times more than we talk about believing. And we talk about, we talk to, uh, we preach about saying more so because if we can get people saying the right thing, most of the time they have the right belief system, they just have the wrong, they're just not, they're, they're, they're just not activating their faith by saying the right thing. All right, but faith is released by word and action. This is uh, again confession. Con- please write this down. Confession is the result of believing. Confession is the result of you being convinced. Confession is the result of you having a strong conviction. Confession is the result. But ladies and gentlemen, more times than not, we've got people trying to confess themselves into faith. You can't confess yourself into faith. Okay, how many times you try and confess it? Now, I mean, now to be real honest with you, now there was a time when I first heard about righteousness. See, because I had been, I had been hurled un, uh, under the condemnation preaching for so long and that I'm a worm in the dust and never going to amount to anything that I, I mean I, I believed what God said about me being the righteousness of God but I didn't 
I didn't think it and I sure didn't feel it. It didn't make any sense to me because of all the ingraining of that as an accident going somewhere that God was way up there and we're way down here. And I, I mean, and so for many times, my confession was simply a legalistic response to what I chose to believe in my heart. But it didn't ever become a reality about six to, six to nine months later. I never really started actively saying I am the righteousness of God and really knowing it and having it affect me for about six to nine months later. Now again, that's different in the sense that I chose to believe what the Word of God said no matter what my head was telling me. And I was saying it as a result of my choosing to believe. But again, we can't get out, we can't, we can't admonish people to just say the right thing. If you just people, got people just saying the right things, all they're doing is just saying the right things, but, but there is no faith involved. And then they'll say, then they'll accuse you that the faith message doesn't work. And say, well, you know, I tried that. I said all the right things. For a long time I said all the right things. But you know, it didn't, it didn't matter because it, it has to come out of the heart of faith. Matter of fact, go with me to James chapter 2. Go back with me to James chapter 2. Well, just, just make a note of this. James chapter 2, verses 14 through 18. Because i got to get moving here. Number one, works means corresponding action. Matter of fact, I, I, I want to read it to you. I, I want to read it to you. James chapter 2, verse number 14. What does it profit a man if someone says he has beliefs but does not have works? Can faith save him? Please, please notice it. Matter of fact, you're going to have to go there. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. James chapter 2, verse number 14. Notice what he says here. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he, ha- he has faith but does not have works? Again, the word works here is corresponding actions. The works are corresponding actions with what he believes or the things that he does as a result of believing. Things that you do as a result. How many know that your actions... Speak louder than a word. If you believe something, you're not only going to say it, but you're going to do it. If you believe it. Now, notice this. He says, you can't have faith. What is a prophet man if someone says that he has faith, but does not have corresponding actions? Can faith... Now, what he means by this is, can faith alone save him? Can it? Can it? Can it? No, it can't. He's talking. He's asking a rhetorical question here. Can faith alone save him? So my question is, can faith alone heal you? No. Can faith alone get anybody saved? Can faith alone get you prosperous? Can faith alone get you delivered? Can it get you? Can it get you anything? No. Faith alone. I mean, you can have faith, but faith alone won't do it. But notice here, it says, If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and be filled, but you not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus, thus also beliefs by itself, if it does not have corresponding actions, is dead. But someone will say, You have beliefs, I have works. Now listen real carefully. Here's the difference. Here is someone doing works, not believing in what they're... Not having faith. They're just doing what's supposed to be done. For instance, someone's saying, I don't have sickness, I don't have sickness, and I can't get sick. You're going to get sick. 
unless you have faith. Works alone won't do it either. He says, I have work. This one man says, I have works. And then you say, I have faith. But notice what he says here. Uh, but if someone will say, you have faith and, and I have works, show me your faith without your works. And I will show you my faith by my works. In other words, you cannot show faith without works. Notice this, you believe that there is one God, you do well, even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works or your beliefs and convictions without corresponding actions is dead? It's dead. Your faith is dead. You can have faith, but it may be dead. Unless you get it activated and moving and being, getting released, it's going to be dead. All right? Number four. Number four. Number four. Your faith must be fed. i got 15 minutes to get through the next two. Faith must be fed. Romans chapter 4. Your faith. We, you have faith that I'll be... Thank you. Thank you. And you said it too and you acted upon that. Great. Notice this. Your faith must be fed. Uh, go with me to Acts, uh, Romans chapter 4. And this is talking uh, about, uh, about the life of Abraham, who is the father of faith. So we're going to learn some things. Notice this here in verse number 20. Now, we could, we could back up quite a bit and, and talk about this, but we don't really we don't have the time. But notice this verse 20. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. But notice this phrase right here. But was strengthened in faith. Please underline the word strengthened. The word strengthened. What does yours say? He became strong, but was strong. The, uh, what is the, is that NIV? King James. NIV says strengthened. Grew strong and was empowered in the Amplified. Grew strong and was empowered. Now notice this. Again, King James may be a little, little vague there. But notice here, He's, rendering here is in, in the New King James Version he says but he was strengthened in faith he was strengthened in faith that word strengthened there tells me this is that faith along the way when you get to the place where, you're, where you believe and faith has come you have a strong conviction you have a belief about it and you are now actively involved in, faith, in a faith progress you are, you are stepping out in faith that you are moving in faith, that your faith is now active and you are now standing in faith. What, am I, what I mean, not just having faith, but you are standing in faith, believing, saying, and doing. Alright? Watch this. By believing, saying, and doing, now notice this, somewhere along the line, your faith is going to have to be strengthened. It's going to have to be fed. Why? Because of doubts, fears, and unbelief that will come to your mind. You're going to have to feed your faith along the way. Matter of fact, last week's lesson we talked about how to turn how to turn things around. We talked we talked about Peter when he got out there on the water. Remember this for those of you here last week. He got out there on the water. He had a miracle problem. He's out there in faith, isn't he? I mean, he's done something I haven't done. He's got that out there. And in his faith progress, now notice this, he's, he's out there in faith. He's walking on the water. But he pays attention to the wind 
and of the waves and didn't feed his faith, he got quiet and therefore he got doubt entered because of fear. He got afraid and he started sinking because doubt entered in. Why? Because he didn't feed his faith. He didn't feed his faith. How important it is for us to feed our faith once we are in the process of believing. You must maintain the stand of faith by feeding your faith. Please write that down. You must maintain the stand of faith by feeding your faith. Matter of fact, go with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 6. You must maintain the stand of faith by feeding your faith. Ephesians chapter 6. Let's notice here in um, oh, verse number 16. Notice this. He says, Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. Notice this here where he says, now again, what is the shield of faith? If we're going to take it, now, now he says here, above all. Above all. Everybody say above all. Say it again. Say it real loud. Above all. Above all, we're taking the shield of faith, right? So this is, this is high priority now. Above all, taking the shield of faith. Again, now the way we've, way we've been talking about it, faith has been something to obtain. But notice this. This shield of faith also does something else. This shield of faith, oh, this, this faith stuff is a shield about. What is the shield for? Is it for defense or offense? Defense. Now, now the way we've been talking is that the shield of faith is to be aggressive and be offensive in the sense of obtaining something, right? That's what we've been talking about, isn't it? That we are moving out offensively. We're moving, we're moving progressively towards something. But notice here it says taking the shield of faith. The shield of faith. Shield of faith is for defense. Shield of faith is not for offense. Shield of faith, you don't use the shield. You protect yourself with a shield, don't you? If you're protecting yourself with a shield, what are you protecting your what are you what is this shield of faith protecting you from? Fiery darts. What are well, what are fiery darts? See, if you don't yeah, right, you're on the right track. If you don't if you don't know what the shield of faith is, and you misdefine what the shield of faith is, well, first of all, you're not going to know what to take. So then fiery darts... See, most people think fiery darts are trials and adversity. But ladies and gentlemen, fiery darts are not trials and adversity. Just because of adverse circumstances. Those are not fiery darts. Well, I've been, I've been aimed... I've had fiery darts fired at me. Well, yeah, you may have situations that are coming against you, but that's not fiery darts, ladies and gentlemen. Now, the Bible says, notice here, he says, above all, taking the shield of faith. In other words, it's not God's responsibility for you to have the shield of faith, is it? God's not going to give you the shield of faith, is He? He's not going to cram it in your hand and say, here, hold this. No, He's not going to do that, is He? Matter of fact, He said, you take the shield of faith. Who takes the shield of faith? We do. Whose responsibility is it to have the shield of faith? It's us. Whose responsibility is to know what the shield of faith is? It's our responsibility. Is, what is the what is the fiery darts? Uh, we'll get there in just a second. <laughs> uh, if you just if, if you misdefine the darts, now listen real carefully. Please write this down. If you misdefine if you misdefine fiery darts, 
If you misdefine fiery darts, you'll allow things to enter in that are dangerous. If you misdefine what the shield of faith is, you'll allow things that are dangerous to come in. If you misdefine what fiery darts are, you'll, you'll allow dangerous things to come in. Now, darts are, I'm going to write this down, the fiery darts are thoughts, ideas, and suggestions. What a difference that is between that and someone suing me. I got a flat tire. That's a fiery dart. No, you just got a flat tire. <laughs> and there's no demon of flat tires. <laughs> Stupid devil, just, just poke my tires, you know. No, devils don't poke tires for the most part. Right. Weapons on warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God and pulling out strong. What, what, what strongholds are there? Bringing every thought Captive to the obedience of Christ. Let me ask you a question. How did how did Satan how did Satan uh, tempt Adam and Eve with a thought, a suggestion, and an idea? So when you're now listen real carefully. When you're standing, you've got you know what faith is, and you faith has come, and now you are active in the stand of faith. You're speaking and you're acting in faith. Now you are you are in the stand of faith. Having done all the stand, you are in the stand of faith. And now you're standing out there in faith. And all of a sudden, thoughts come. Boom. Ideas come. I wonder. Suggestions come. Well, what if? That's a whole lot. You know, see, the thing about it is, is that adversity can come. But notice this. Adversity comes, but adversity in the circumstance brings with it thoughts, ideas, and suggestions why is this not working the way it's supposed to be working like Pastor said it should? Does this make sense? It brings to you thoughts. It will not just bring to you thoughts, ideas, and suggestions, but notice how it brings. It doesn't just say one thing. It brings videos. It brings audio. It brings... I mean, it brings a whole host of, of forensics. You see what I'm saying? It, a thought will come, but it's not just a thought. It's not just some, it's something that is said. It's something that is played. It's something that you're, you're feeling. You're a fool for believing this. You're crazy. What, what have you got yourself into? You really think this stuff works? You really, you really believe that you're going to get out of debt? You really, you really believe that you can be healed? Well, yeah. Let's see. The thing about it is, is that the, we, we we can we can get all charged up in here, but when you're in the isolation of your own car, or you're laying in bed at night and your body's trying to tell you something, that's a thought, that's an idea, and that's a, what do you do? What do you need to do? Take the shield of faith. What are you going to do? Feed it. I'm feeding it. I got to feed my faith. I got to be strengthened in faith. Well, how do you feed it? The same way you got it with the Word. How do you feed your faith with the Word of God? Now notice this. Matter of fact, uh, write this down. John chapter eight verse forty-four. I'm trying to hurry. John chapter eight verse forty-four. He said, "You are of your father the devil, for he was a liar from the beginning." Now notice this. The word liar. The word liar. 
means this. He's the giver of false impressions. A liar is nothing. How many have ever been lied to? Sure you have. What did they do? They gave you false impressions, didn't they? They gave you false impressions. It's amazing to me that in Philippians chapter 4, verse number uh, 8, it says, What sort of things are true? Think on these things. It's amazing to me that he starts off with things that are true. Start off. What is the devil's job? We've, we've told you what the devil's job is from the beginning. He told you from what, Adam, what he did to Adam and Eve, he deceived them. We told you what he did, uh, what he to, we told you what he did in Revelation, he deceives. He deceives, he deceives, he deceives. That's his whole job. And if he can deceive a third of the angels right out of the presence of God, don't underestimate his deception that he'll do with you. He has had more time working with mankind over the last 6,000 years to try to work deception. He knows how to very, very, very subtly use deception on us. So don't underestimate it. But that's where you've got to go back to the Word and feed yourself on truth. Jesus said, Thy word is true. Why? So you can think on that thing instead of when that fiery dark comes. That you, What are you doing? Now, maybe you need to do this with me. Go with 1 Peter chapter 5. Hallelujah. How many still believe that I'll finish in the time I need to? 1 Peter chapter 5. Who said preach? <laughs> uh, verse number 8 said, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Let me ask you a question. Who can he devour? Who can he devour? People who have an unmaintained thought life. If you're not going to maintain your thought life, you are an open target for the, for the devil. If you're not going to think on the right things, then he'll give you plenty of things to think on. Your faith must be fed. Why? Because thoughts are going to come. Fiery darts are going to come. But he's going to, he's going to try and devour you, not through some overwhelming circumstance. He's going to try and devour you by abandoning what you know to be true and believe a lie and be damned. You know, to fill a glass of water, the opening has to be unrestricted. To fill a glass of water, you, this is not too deep, is it? I mean, to fill a glass of water, the opening has to be restricted. Your belief system should act as a filtering system. Now, listen real carefully. I have an open mind, but I don't have that open of a mind. Because the moment some people say certain things, what? What's that? What am I doing? My belief system's filtering stuff out. Had people come to me, you know, talk to me. Well, you know, we had a pastor's wife. She believed God and, you know, she died. Mm. I don't know about her. I know what the Word of God says for me. See what I'm saying? I've got that. Again, your, your belief system should act as... Matter of fact, go one more, one more place with me. John chapter 13. John chapter 13. Oh, you're going to like this. John chapter 13. John chapter 13, verse number 1. says, Now before the feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that His hour had come and that He should depart from this world to the Father, having loved His own who were in the world, He loved them to the end. And supper being ended. Notice this right here, this phrase. The devil having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray Him. How did the devil put it in Judas's heart? Thoughts, ideas, suggestions. 
He had an unmaintained thought life and therefore he consented to it. He unmaintained thought lives. Listen r- r- real, real carefully. Please write this down. Unmaintained thought lives will destroy relationships. It'll destroy your marriage. It'll destroy your mar- relationship with your children, relationship with your church, relationship with your friends. An unmaintained thought life will destroy relationships. That's how it did Adam and Eve. They didn't maintain their thought life and it destroyed their relationship with God. Your belief system should act as a filtering system. Let the good pass and keep the garbage out, especially when you need victory in an area. It's like the perimeter of a, of a military site. They sent send a perimeter, set a watch out there. Well, you know, you could be, it could be 3 o'clock in the morning and that, that soldier, I mean, having a rough time staying awake, but the moment they hear a twig snap, the hair on the back of their head stands up and they are no longer asleep. Why? Because there's an enemy out there that's trying to get in. There's an enemy out there trying. They're alert. Every time, now listen real carefully, every time you hear, when a thought trips your alarm, when some, it could be, it could be something you read, it could be something you hear on the radio, it could be something one of your family members say, it could be something that a preacher says. But when that alarm goes off, your filtering system, your filtering system should go go into into action. It should go into action. What do I what do, what are they saying about this, and what do I believe about this? What do I really believe about what they just said? Do I have the Word of God, or or am I just am I just trying to believe something on my opinion? What 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 do I what do I really believe about that? What does the Word of God say about that? That's your filtering system. And if you'll learn how thoughts capture you, please write this down. This is so good. If you'll learn how thoughts capture you, then you can capture them. If you'll learn how thoughts capture you, again, what I said is that thoughts alone don't come. It'll bring back a video. It'll bring back a clip. It'll bring back three or four clips. It'll bring back, you know, uh, little sound bites. But if you know how to capture them, ladies and gentlemen, when you, you want to capture them, then you go to picking a video. And then you go picking a thought. You go picking a sound bite. And you say, I combat that with this video and with this thought. And you can combat the thing and you can capture that thing. That's how you feed your faith. All right? When you quit, now, when you quench a fiery dart, you remove the fuel from it. And the fuel is your attention. The fuel of a fiery dart is your attention. You take your attention off the dart and you put it back, you put it back, you put your attention back on the Word. Just take the, extinguish the dart by ignoring it. Alright, the last one is, and number four, uh, number four is faith must be the leader. And I want you to just write these, write these two down. Romans chapter 15, verse 13. And 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse number 5. Let me give them to you again. Romans chapter 15, verse 13. And 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse number 5. Matter of fact, I better check on that because this is when I got interrupted when I was at home. 2 Corinthians chapter 13. Verse number 5. Yeah. Examine yourself as whether you're in the faith. Test yourself. Faith must be the leader. Now, go with me, and I'll close with this. Romans chapter 15, verse 13. This is where we're going to close on. I'll let you do the rest, rest of the research. How many can kind of see the overview of faith now? How many can kind of see the overview of faith? <clears throat> you get a little bit better handle on it? Are we, are we show, am, I, am I showing you? 
how this thing works. All right, Romans chapter 15, verse 13, we'll close with this. Notice this, it says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now listen real carefully. Again, there's a difference between having faith and being in faith. There's a difference between having faith and believing. I have, I have faith. I have faith that God is canceling all my debt. But I don't just have faith. I am believing. I am believing. Now listen real carefully. Faith must be the leader means this. According to, according to this scripture right here, Romans chapter 15, verse 13, that when you are believing, two things will follow when faith leads. Two things will follow when faith leads. When faith leads, joy and peace will follow. How do you examine yourself to know whether you're in the faith or not? Do you have joy and peace about it? We'll talk more about this. We'll spend more time about this at another time about this. But notice this. If you have, now, now, listen real carefully. I'm not talking about something you muster up. I'm not talking about joy and peace that you just, okay, everything's going to be fine. <sighs> I'm not talking about something that you have, to, you, have to, you have to develop. I'm talking about the joy and peace that come as a result from down on the inside of you as a result of you being in faith that you can just start bubbling with peace. You start bubbling with joy that everything's that's okay. I don't have I don't have one concern. I don't have one worry about that. And then when the, when the thought comes, you can put your faith but you get right back over in that joy and get right back over in that peace. And you let faith be the leader. And you follow what faith says. And whatever faith says, that's what you do. You let joy and peace be your guide. Because that's what we're called to anyway. We're not called to stress out. We're not called to be worried. We're not called to be be full of anxiety. And be anxious. The Bible says be anxious for nothing. But by everything, you know, by prayer and supplication, what are you doing? You're letting faith become the leader. The faith, when faith is the leader, joy and peace will follow. And then you'll have hope because the power of the Holy Spirit's at work. Notice what it says here in verse 13. That's what it says here in verse 13. It says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope. What's hope? Knowing that everything's going to turn out okay. In by the power of the Holy Spirit. Not because you're doing it by sure willpower. Not because you're trying to fix it or work it out. But the power of the Holy Spirit's at work in that. The power of the Holy Spirit. What are you, what, what, what are you doing? I'm attacked. Don't say that. Well, I'm, I'm just going through a trial. Don't say that. You're just giving fuel to the trial. Well, you know, I, just, I don't know if I can stand this. Don't say that. I can do all things. For the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed. Don't say, I, I can't stand this. Say this. Power of God's at work in that. Power of God's at work in that. I got joy and peace. I got joy and peace about that. Power of God. Why? Because the power of God is the one that's going to produce hope. Power of God is the one that's got me active. Power of God is, is, is at work. And the power of God is the thing that's going to work it out anyway. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening. If you would like additional ministry material, you may contact us at Church Alive International, P.O. Box 4483, Marietta, Georgia, 30061. Thank you.
and God bless you.